Her insights are motivating, her frankness inspiring. Here is Sherry Hill. Starting your own business is an enormous undertaking. The to-do list seems endless, as does the number of decisions you must make. One of the most critical, strategic decisions you will make is whether to take a partner. This is one of the earliest and most important decisions entrepreneurs face. The choice will have a lasting impact on not only the success of the business, but on your emotional health as well. Horror stories abound about the partner from hell and about partnerships gone wrong. I can speak from personal experience on this point. From my very first company, a chocolate manufacturing business, that after five years my partner and the bank account disappeared, or when I first moved to Reno, my father and I merged with another company, Granite Business Services, and after one year, that partnership fell apart and cost us a lot of money. So when I say deciding whether to take a partner is a big strategic decision, it's because in one way or another, that choice is going to impact your business. The first thing to do is assess your situation and decide if you need a partner. Being afraid to go into business alone or lacking financing, skills, or connections may be the wrong reasons for a partnership. You may be able to get someone to do something without giving away a share of your business. You could hire someone or find a mentor to bring capital, skills, or a network to the table. Statistically speaking, businesses started by partners do better than businesses started by individuals, but that doesn't mean your situation warns or will be benefited by a partnership. Sometimes going it alone is the right course of action. There are many benefits to going it alone. First, it certainly is simpler. As CEO, you'd have the authority to make crucial decisions and shape the future of your company without having to reach agreement with another individual or a group. Of course, this can be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on whether you work better as a consensus builder or as a maverick. If you're a sole proprietor, you can brainstorm with employees and advisors, but ultimately, company decisions and responsibilities will rest on your shoulders. Second, without a partner, you will own it all. You won't have to share the business's wealth, rewards, or achievements. You will have complete control and complete recognition. Third, you won't have any emotional ties with anyone and no conflicts or issues, personal or professional, to resolve with a partner. If you have the resources, the experience, and the wherewithal, you should seriously consider going it alone. On the other hand, going into business with a partner has significant advantages to forming a partnership, including sharing the financial burden, the responsibilities, and workload. Benefiting from your partner's experience, skill set and network, and added capital contributions. With a partner, you share the risk and the rewards, the breaks and the burden. A partner can also provide valuable psychological, motivational, and emotional support during tough business times. You can help each other out, lean on each other, and work together to reach a shared goal. Two heads can be better than one. Communication is important at every stage of a partnership, and especially so at the outset. A common mistake business partners make is jumping into business before really getting to know each other. 
you must be able to connect to feel comfortable expressing your opinions, ideas, and expectations. It's also important that you know about all aspects of a potential partner's life, including health and personal issues. Nothing should be considered off limits. You need to understand this individual's values and what makes them tick. Working with a partner who does not share your business values and ethical standards may discredit your reputation with clients, service providers, future employees, and vendors. Ideally, partners' professional skills should complement one another, but not overlap too much. For example, you may be detail-oriented and your partner may be a big-picture thinker. Or you may be an expert in marketing and sales while your partner prefers to stay in the backdrop poring over financials. An examination into the potential partner's personal goals and vision of the business will not always guarantee a complete alignment, but it will at least avoid fundamental discrepancies and unpleasant surprises. You may ask for references, look at their presence online, and even run a background check. Another question you need to ask yourself is, how do I know if I can work with a business partner? If you haven't worked together previously, test the partnership out by tackling a small project together that showcases each other's skills and requires cooperation. This is also a way to learn about each other's personality, core values, and reliability. Dating a potential business partner first can prevent heartache later. Starting a business involves a lot of commitment, and making those commitments with someone who turns out not to be what you expected can be disastrous. When I used to teach Next Level for Entrepreneurs, often there would be potential business partners who signed up to take the class together. I could always tell, and so did the partner that always showed up, whether the other partner was proving to be reliable or interested enough to work on the business by the fact that they weren't showing up to class. This typically resulted in a wake-up call for the partner who was focused on the business, giving them clarity if this was the right partner for them right now. Business partners often start businesses together with little planning and few ground rules. Sooner or later, they discover the hard way that's what's left unsaid or unplanned often leads to unmet expectations, anger, and frustration. Partners can clash over countless things, including conflicting work ethics and financial goals, roles in the business, and leadership styles. However, figuring out from the outset whether you need a partner and how the partnership will operate with regards to compensation, exit clauses, and roles and responsibilities will give you a solid general framework for a successful partnership and allow you to focus on your business. What follows is a list of eight questions you need to ask your potential partner and yourself before going into business together. One, what does success look like? It's staggering how many potential business partnerships begin without articulating what success will actually look like. If you're going to work together, you need to understand what both of you consider a win to actually be. It's essential that you think about the bigger picture, where you are, what you find fulfilling, and where you want to be. Real, lasting success stems from identifying what fulfills you most and then allowing those things to influence your daily work and future decisions. 
How big are you willing to go? What size of vision are you willing to keep showing up and working toward? Exceptional partnerships act as a catalyst for each member to grow and succeed. You can avoid a lot of heartache by clearly defining success together before you get started. Two, what does failure look like? I've seen so many founders essentially sitting in a slowly sinking ship together, each refusing to reach for the life raft because they don't want to let the other person down, or even worse, because they each incorrectly believe the other person in the partnership is more optimistic about turning things around than they are. People don't like to articulate their personal definition of failure when starting a business. Feels like a bummer to do so, but also they're hiding. If and when they fail, they won't notice that they failed. Not defining failure means it won't hurt so bad if it happens. The danger of this is that, as we all know, most business ideas fail. The problem is they rarely do so catastrophically in ways it's easy to notice. Instead, they putter along in a slowly declining direction. When entrepreneurs fail to define what a failure is, they fail to draw a line in the sand that lets them say it didn't work out. They fail to define when it's okay to free themselves from a bad idea and a bad partnership. When you kick off a new venture with a partner in crime, sit down and do the uncomfortable work of agreeing on and documenting your point of no return cutoff. This is known as the minimum viable outcome. Know what yours is. Ask your partner for theirs. Give your minimum vile outcome a specific timeline and a specific target. You need to know what is the absolute minimum result, be it a drop dead date, a revenue amount, number of sales, or some other key performance indicator that would be validating enough to keep us interested and committed to this opportunity. Agree here and now that if that timeline of say nine months plays out and you come in under that number, that you'll both call it a tragedy and move on with your lives. Be real about the numbers you set. If hitting 80% of your minimum viable outcome feels like it would still be enough to make you want to keep trying, then you didn't define the real minimum viable outcome. It's critical that you don't gloss over and then convince yourselves what really is or isn't a failure. Three, how will you feel about sustaining the partnership if things just go okay-ish? In my experience, starting a business is typically not a wild overnight success, nor do they turn out as abject, disastrous failures. They go okay. It's never as fast as you think. It's never as easy as you hope. It's also never as difficult and high risk as you worry about late at night. Most things go okay-ish. Are you ready for okay-ish? Will sustaining the partnership make sense by investing effort, time, and even money in the event that it produces moderate, mediocre results? Okay-ish means you're willing to stay in mediocrity. If you aren't willing to fail, then you won't be able to learn from your mistakes. If you never learn, you'll never grow and develop into something more. After this break, I want to talk about the flip side of a partnership. What happens if you need to untangle the partnership and part ways?
Why should you do business with Sage International Incorporated instead of filing a corporation or LLC on your own, or worse, using one of those $99 plus state fee sites? First, you actually get to talk with someone who is going to work directly with you to develop a business strategy that is tailored specifically to the business you want to start. Second, unless you know what questions to ask, how do you know if the entity you choose will actually do everything you think it should, like protect your assets and significantly reduce your taxes? For over 20 years, Sage International Incorporated has helped thousands of business owners put a proper foundation under their dream. If you want to get started in the right business track, schedule your free 30-minute consultation today. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779 or visit sageintl.com. When partners fall out, the ownership, control, and even survival of their company are threatened. I'm not talking about differences in judgment, which crop up regularly between partners and just as regularly get resolved through their ongoing recognition of one another's contributions. I'm talking about far deeper disagreements when partners grow to dislike, distrust, and even hate one another. Today I've been sharing eight important questions that you need to ask yourself and your potential partner before deciding that you should go into business together. The fourth question I want you to ask is, when and how are you going to entangle your partnership and part ways when the time comes? Ironically, you should enter the partnership knowing that will likely end someday. Thus, you should outline flexible steps for partners to exit the partnership when a need or circumstance arises. Less than 1% of business partnerships last until death do us part. When you're enamored with an exciting idea, the future looks peachy. When you're in love with someone you believe to be your ideal partner, it's easy to think you'll build an empire and lifelong legacy together. The reality is, founders of even the world's most successful startups usually see their founding team reshuffle within five to 10 years. Make sure you're proactively planning a strategy that can fairly and quickly untangle your affairs. Make sure you know how to free both parties from the partnership. You must prepare for that scenario by determining how partners will be compensated, resources divided, and clients served when the time comes. Emotions will undoubtedly run high if the partnership does not work out, so the best time to decide how to handle a breakup is before a partnership or operating agreement is signed. Don't let your partnership become a prison. Always plan for exits, not just the good ones. Know how you'll both get out in both wildly successful and disastrous scenarios. Five, how much energy and work are you both willing to put in? Nothing, nothing creates more conflict than two business partners who fail to think about this question before they commit. Entrepreneurs have very different personal sets of values that drive them in business. Don't make the mistake of assuming yours are the same as everyone else's, or even the same as someone specific, like your partner, you think you know so well. Are you building this thing to create a legacy, to scale and change the world? Or are you doing it to create freedom and lifestyle design for yourself? The tension between freedom and impact, doing enough to escape versus sacrificing everything for a legacy bigger than yourself is just the tip of this question. It's complicated because most entrepreneurs want a bit of both. 
The question becomes, how much impact before we take a break? How much freedom is too much? I've seen so many successful partnerships tragically fall apart because one entrepreneur wants to kick back and enjoy the success while the other still wants to push ahead for growth. What if you want to take the asset we built together that in your opinion is criminally under-optimized and still filled with huge growth potential and grow it beyond what I ever wanted? Do I still get paid for your efforts even though all I want is a four-hour work week and cocktails on the beach? The sixth question to ask a potential business partner is how often should you both question the big picture? Business owners have to wear a lot of hats, especially early on. They must do a bit of everything and get good at switching between roles. The biggest, toughest hat switch to make is the switch between thinking and doing. The cerebral work of coming up with smart ideas is super important because it sets the overall direction and vision of an early stage venture. However, the grit and hustle work of relentless action on those ideas is equally critical. Execution is everything, but so are good ideas. Spending all your time in your creative bat cave thinking up ideas but never acting makes you a clueless dreamer. Likewise, an overzealous focus on execution can result in working on the wrong ideas, missing opportunities, or not seeing the forest for the trees. It's not just as simple as doing a bit of both, either. Finding the right oscillation between strategy and execution is a delicate art. Entrepreneurs drawn to strategic thinking often struggle to fully follow through on their ideas. As soon as a project gets tough, they prematurely retreat to the comfort of the whiteboard to rethink everything. Execution rock stars who tend to be hustle, sales or business development superstars can make any idea work through sheer force of will, but often end up keeping a bad business idea on life support far too long. Sorting out your own individual balance between strategy and execution is a critical step in your entrepreneurial evolution. Matching that balance to your business partner exponentially multiplies the challenge. If you meet monthly to set out key performance indicators or targets, you have to be confident your partner is going to put her head down and execute. You have to both come up for air to ask strategic should we or shouldn't we questions at the same time. If you don't ask yourself and your partner this question, you'll forever be in different head spaces. You're trying to get things done, they're wondering if you should both pivot. You're rethinking the narrative you present to customers and they're out selling it. Good partnerships thrive because of pre-framed, pre-decided structure. Set a schedule of top-level, bird's-eye view check-ins, then stick to it. Once a month, once a quarter, even once a week. However often you think it's right for your business to question everything doesn't really matter so long as you're both on the same page. There's nothing that breeds resentment faster than a business partner who burns days gazing into the existential strategy void while you're making stuff happen. Make sure you have an agreement in place that when you're not working together to ask the big questions, you're both getting busy executing on the plan you set in the last strategy meeting. Number seven, is there anything in your potential partner's personal or financial life that might affect your business? 
Think about the things that could occur in someone's life that could shake them to their core and cause them to, by necessity, reevaluate their partnership with you. The birth of a child, the death of a loved one, taking care of elderly parents, getting married, getting divorced, relocating, mental illness, chronic physical illness. The thing about the above list, by no means complete, is that each of these events has the power to rewrite the motivational values humans are driven by at the deepest levels of their psyche. If your partner goes through one of these external, random, chaotic events, chances are their answers to the fundamental questions that govern your partnership will change. Sometimes they'll change overnight. Sometimes it will change everything. Be sure to ask the hard questions about what is going on in your potential partner's personal life that might distract them from the business. If they are not honest about these issues now and they flare up and take them away from the business for an extended time, it can spell disaster for you. What do you know about their credit and financial history? Again, these may be tough questions to ask, but it's really important to know what their current financial commitments are, as these can influence the decisions they make. The questions I asked so far have presupposed that your life maintains an equilibrium. In other words, they'll serve you and your partner well, assuming nothing major changes for you, and assuming nothing major changes what you value. The tricky thing about partnerships, especially successful and long-term ones, and the most successful partnerships should last a long time, is that people change. Over a long enough time period, the probability of massive personal life changes happening rapidly approaches 100%. And it's worth mentioning, this may not happen to your partner, it may happen to you. Our personal lives matter. Your sleep last night, your spouse's office drama, that conversation you had with your mom, your mortgage, your kid's report card, it's all part of the web. Your business isn't separate from your life, it's an organic plant-like thing that grows out of your life. The same is true for your business partner. The truth is that partnerships are made up of humans. And as humans, we cannot always escape the chaos in our lives. Life is messy. You are messy. It's your business partner's humanity, after all, that makes them worth partnering with. Partnerships that fail to accept and plan for these truths are fragile. They crack under the first sign of all-too-human chaos. And the eighth and final question to ask is, are you both willing to put the terms of the partnership in writing? Partners should be willing to put an agreement to writing. A well-crafted partnership agreement may not only insulate you from personal liability issues, it will force you to think about how you and your partner will achieve the implementation of your entrepreneurial vision. There are legal implications that you must consider before jumping into a partnership. You must understand the different forms of legal partnerships, contemplate forms of taxation, decide how you will split profits, and think about how you would handle the situation in the event of a breakup. Every agreement should address three crucial areas, compensation, exit clauses, and roles and responsibilities. Include who owns what percentage of the business, who is investing what, where the money is coming from, and how and when partners will be paid. Partners should be able to resolve any issues that arise by referring to the agreement. 
In the absence of an agreement, discrepancies will be resolved by your state's generic partnership law, which will undoubtedly not cover the intricacies of your business partnership. Addressing these issues up front will help you better focus on your business later. How you work out the details of setting up a partnership could be an indicator of how well or poorly your prospective venture will operate. Inevitably, some potential partners will realize through the process they weren't meant to be. I also want to say that you should be especially careful when partnering with close friends or family members. Like many marriages, business partnerships can end in bitter divorce. Consider whether you're willing to risk hurting your relationship if the partnership falls apart. Approach a partnership with close friends or families as you might with strangers. Thoughtfully plan and prepare for every aspect of it in advance so there's no question about how difficult situations will be handled. I also want to add my thoughts on partnering with a spouse. Working together puts an added strain on a relationship and couples can quickly discover there is a little too much togetherness. Those who succeed often have learned to set boundaries to keep the business from dominating every aspect of their lives. For example, they may have agreed to leave the office at 5 p.m. and put all conversation about work on hold until the next day. We still need to fulfill our roles as parent, spouse, sibling, and friend. It can't be all work and no play. If your potential partner passes your research with flying colors, remember that at the end of the day, what matters most is how well your personalities and work styles mesh together. This essentially means, do their strengths balance your weaknesses? Can you communicate well with one another? And are we willing to work together? For a partnership to be successful, each member needs to feel a sense of support and optimism about the collaboration. When it's right, you feel it in every cell of your being. When it's wrong, you feel that too. Stay in close connection to your heart to know what is true for you. I'm glad you tuned into The Sherry Hill Show, where business is amplified. The Sherry Hill Show values the role we play in supporting the economic engine driving this country. Small business, the backbone of America. Send her a message on Facebook.com slash Sherry Hill Show and tune in next week, same time, same station for The Sherry Hill Show.